Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast for in-depth discussion on film adaptations and the original material they're based on. I'm your host, Kendall Bryant. I'm Jennifer Dick. And this is episode number 122, where we are going to discuss and spoil the 2015 film, Home. Uh, we have nothing in upcoming stuff again for you this week. It always happens when Jen's on. Um, <laughs> and uh, because, like we said last time... Uh, We've reached the end, basically. But I'm sure we'll have stuff soon once the summer television season starts, so. Mm-hmm. The, the television season is kind of coming to a close, and for whatever reason, the films just haven't been coming out just yet. But I imagine, you know, summer Summer months. blockbusters. Yep, always. I think we know what is happening. Well, hey, Avengers. Yay. And Jurassic Park. Okay, sorry, that was weird. <laughs> I don't think but, so. I mean, yeah, there are lots no of it. lots of exciting stuff happening once summer does arrive. So hang around, I guess. Mm. But we're here to talk about Home this week. Um, it was written by Tom J. Astle and Matt Ember, and directed by Tim Johnson, and starred. The voices of Jim Parsons, Rihanna, Steve Martin, and Jennifer Lopez. And it's based on The True Meaning of Smack Day by Adam Rex, which um, we covered on episode 118. Um, so go check that out if you've also read the book. It's definitely pretty spoilery. But uh, Jen was not on that episode because she didn't read the book, thankfully, so that <laughs> we have somebody that has a non-reader perspective on the movie. So what did you think? Of the movie. I thought it was adorable. <laughs> like, really cute. Um, mm-hmm. My nieces saw it. They absolutely loved it. And, you know, it, it's obviously made for kids' movies. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, like I said, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really liked it. It was uh, very different. Not, well, I wouldn't say, like, very different, but uh, as always... They had to squish things together and kind of streamline the story. Um, but but I think it was adorable. It was made maybe for just a slightly uh, younger audience than the book. Mm. Um, what audience? Which I guess say... makes sense. <laughs> what audience would you say that the book was made for? Well, it's actually kind of strange because... Let me just ask you how old you thought Gratuity was in the movie. Um... I, okay, it was weird because, first of all, you know, she's driving around and (laughs) Yeah. So, and the way that she acted sometimes, I honestly would have placed her as, like, a a teenager, like, a 16 or so. Mm -hmm. But then I think they mentioned at one point where she was, like, maybe 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, well, that's good. That's closer than what I thought, because I, I guess I'm, I might be missed that 12 bit, because I definitely thought she might have been a little older, because in the book, she's 11, mm. and I was thinking that it's kind of funny that it was made for a younger audience, but that then the, but then they made her a little older, but 11, 12, it's all the same. Um, <laughs> not to a 12-year-old, it's not, but um, I, don't, I would say, I think you'd have to be probably... 12 to 13 for the book unless I don't know it's pretty big like I'm not saying that they that you know younger kids can't read books this big but it's 420 pages and it's not you know Hmm. so so it's not it's not short Hmm. and it's not like there's like a ton of pictures although there is surprise comics every once in a while Hmm. Um, sounds good (laughs) <laughs> I like me some surprise comics. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was definitely um, enjoyable, but uh, I just I feel like it's just just a little bit older. Don't you think this is probably younger than that? The movie. The I would audience? say so. Like I said, my nieces absolutely loved it, and they're mm-hmm. five and eight. Yeah. Um, my, the five year old especially thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So. I I definitely got the feeling that, you know, it was for, it it was a kid's movie. It was around that age group. So I wouldn't say, like, preteen or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, it, it obviously depends on the kid, too. Um, mm-hmm. but 
the movie that just has like I think probably a larger range. It goes to a younger kid, you know, kid. But we liked it, so that's yeah. an age range that it worked for. Um, but it was definitely like more directed. I think definitely some of the humor was even a little bit more on the younger side than I would say the book was. Mm. Um, but still wonderful, and I um I really loved the uh, the creation of this world and this the the species and everything there's some pictures of what they look like in the book but it's still all black and white Mm -hmm. and the it was just so great and colorful in the in the movie yeah like honestly the scene in the movie where they start taking over where they Mm -hmm. land and they're like oh let's do this everyone transported throw these things up in the air we don't need bikes magnetize Mm -hmm. the bikes and stuff like that that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie just because it was so like dynamic yeah yeah i agree and actually some of that like some of the kind of more specific things that they do like the bikes in the air and how that kind of goes through with these balls of like similar items that we don't Mm. They, they deem unnecessary need. is definitely yeah. like a departure. They created a lot of things for the movie. And it was, I loved that. I love when they're traveling and you see them at a picnic table and you just see them there and then it zooms out and they're actually on a ball of picnic tables. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was like one that. of my yeah. favorite things that happened. I like that because I, I did find myself like... Anytime they had a wide shot where you could see balls of stuff in the air, I strained my eyes to try to see what I could see. Mm-hmm. See which ones, um, you know, uh, that they deemed unnecessary. Yeah. And it I also wanna... kind of makes, like, for really interesting, just, like, um, uh, thought process to have, like, oh, okay, clearly picnic table is unnecessary, why do you think that it became... Because you had that short scene where it shows them trying to ride a bike. Yes. And then these... So with with these other items, it's like, hmm, how did they deem that unnecessary? Mm-hmm. What happened that they would do that? I absolutely love the bike scene because, of course, it's unnecessary to them because their little tiny legs are so short, they can't ride a bike, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so, so it's like, it just really, it's a, it's a perspective thing. Like, mm-hmm. of course, it's, it is completely useless for these, this race of beings. But, you know, obviously we find bikes quite useful. <laughs> um, so I don't know about the picnic tables, but. <laughs> I know. I guess Boove don't like to do things together, maybe. It was mm-hmm. too social. Or maybe they even didn't understand what they actually were. Yeah, there was definitely a possibility. Uh, what did you think about the the pacing? Um, there were times when I felt it took a little bit to get going. Mm. Um, like, well, I mean, one thing was that clearly for the first, I don't even know how long, but quite a while they didn't actually introduce tip until mm-hmm. i want to say like maybe 20 minutes into the movie at least yeah there was a lot of um boo backstory i suppose yeah that, ne- that happened at the beginning before that mm-hmm. and then then they introduced her but even then it took a while for them to explain like exactly who is this girl why mm-hmm. is she alone? Like, you didn't get the explanation about what happened to her mother until after they were already on the road together. Mm-hmm. So. It's interesting. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit of a flip-flop. I feel like this, the movie was very O-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the book is told from an essay that Gratuity writes about her experience. So it's very, very, very gratuity centric. Mm. <laughs> so it kind of flipped it. I don't think that that's necessarily like I'm not 
overly upset or anything. I just think it's interesting that they kind of uh, changed the the focus perspective. and perspective. Yeah. Even the narration more. Yeah, it, it is like you said. Um, we got it mostly from Boo's perspective, and then you only really learned Tip's story while you were already in in it in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I can say that I didn't like, um, as far as pacing was concerned, was that I felt like there was too many scenes where they just turned up the music and had like a montage something happening mm. where there was like no dialogue. I mean, not that there had to be, but... It made me wonder, like, because it felt as though more time was actually passing than I think they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're on a road trip, yes, but at the same time, like, especially at the first part of the movie when, you know, they're, they also have a limited amount of time to stop this invitation. Yeah. Um, but it, it having the montages, like, typically when you see something like that, you, you imagine that um, the montage shows at least, you know, several days mm-hmm. of, yeah. Yeah, there was some so. some of those, and then I, I suppose montage, I think w- what I mean, too, is that some of them felt like montages, even though they weren't. Like, a lot of times toward the end, like, um, uh, let's see, Tip and her mother's reunion, it was just like, okay, we're just gonna turn up a Rihanna song, and then they're gonna run at each other, and they even, like would have them, like, saying things that you couldn't hear. And then, uh, at some point, something else happened. I remember somebody saying thank you. Um, but, like, it happened, I think, later, possibly when somebody saves the day, or... I can't really remember. But I know that it happened several times during big moments where they would just, like, make the music louder and then have this thing happen in front of your face. Mm-hmm. That felt like... Maybe it's stylistic. Maybe it's, like kind of a new <laughs> kind of a newer thing that they're trying with this movie. I don't know, but like I didn't I it felt strange to me. Like yeah. there was too much focus almost on the music rather than like the uh, um paying attention to what's going mm-hmm. on and like kind of feeling the emotion of what's going on in the scene. And it is like you said, like um this because typically when I think of scenes that when they t- would typically do s- turn up the music, it's for scenes where the no one's really saying anything anyway. So it's like mm-hmm. acting with your body or mm-hmm. in, in like conveying things uh, through the music rather than through words because they're mm-hmm. not actually saying anything. But here, like you mentioned, there they were. Sometimes they were, um, and especially with something so momentous as, you know, their reunion, you would have imagined getting more, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tip's mother did not get a lot of speaking time. Not at all. Um, and, I mean, I kind of, I really liked the fact that even when Tip's mom came back into the picture, or for us, for, into the picture for the first time, um, she didn't, like, kind of just take care of things, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. that it still stayed about this girl, um, and, and mm-hmm. oh, and how, like, they kind of dealt and understood what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. So, in that sense, I'm glad that she didn't take, like, a stronger step forward. Um, but also kind of like, wow, she was really relegated to background. Yeah. Like it is like you mentioned though, that like, um, I I am glad that after the reunion, it, it didn't really change all that much. The dynamic of the relationship between O and tip, Mm -hmm. which is good. Um, you didn't really want that to change because that it 
what it was a very cute relationship but at the same time i almost feel like okay possibly that's what they were trying to achieve but they all might have gone a little bit too far in making sure that she didn't impede on that mm-hmm. by making like because the plot of the whole movie for tip at least for tip's journey for the most part is finding her mother mm-hmm. and by making her into such an, a non-character when they actually find her, um, it, it feels weird in that it doesn't feel as, I suppose, victorious as, as you would have imagined that moment to be. Yeah. That makes any sense. It does, and I think it kind of goes back to what we, I said about the change in perspective, because like like you had said, we don't find... We don't meet Tip until quite a bit in, and then we don't find out what's really kind of going on with her situation and with her mother and stuff like that until a little bit further on. And then, of course, the meeting with the mother kind of happens mm-hmm. earlier before the big action stuff, which is actually um, similar to the book. The, the her, Their reunion does happen before all of the big alien stuff happens, so... Um, but, but because in the movie, um, you have kind of the chunks of the end cut off for Tip's story, it then just becomes even shorter in Hmm. the middle, you know? Hmm. Which is, I don't want to say it's unfortunate, but Tip is like, I bow at Tip's feet because (laughs) she's such a beautiful character. Like, I love her so much. Um, in the book and the movie, um... So, I just, uh, so so in a way I want to say it's unfortunate, although I do think that this movie was done well in, in, in the way that it kind of portrayed the story. So, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just always want more tip is what I'm trying to say. I always want more gratuity. She's fantastic. She's a wonderful mm-hmm. character. So, that being said, how did you feel about gratuity? <laughs> I mean, I liked her. Like you said, she she's she's a good character. She did have spunk, but she also grew as a character just in her mm-hmm. well, in the relationship between her and Ooh and Oh, and they both did that. I I wanted Okay, I I called him Ooh because I wanted to say the boo. Like, <laughs> I grew in I her knew. relationship with Oh despite, you know, her clear antagonism toward the boo. Mhm. So it was good. Um, I liked I liked her character, but like I said, okay. I was also I was kind of confused about the age that they had because here yeah. she is driving a car. She does seem very um, competent on her own, mm-hmm. and yet I like I said I think I heard them mention that she's was only supposed to be like around twelve. Mm-hmm. So I think um probably well for starters the car thing obviously was more of a well the world's over nobody cares if you have a license thing um <laughs> so so there was that I they did it they showed it at one point but it was so quick that I don't know if you noticed but when she's driving the car at one point they like show the pedals and she actually has cans tied to the pedals so that she can reach them. Oh, no, I didn't see that. They, it was such a quick thing. And, like, obviously it states that in the book, like, early on that she, she had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was really hoping that they were going to do it, and they did, but it was such a, like a very, very quick kind of thing. thing that I'm like, nobody's going to notice that. But I feel like seeing that is what tells you that she is not old enough to drive a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that and her terrible driving. Um, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's hard to drive a floating car, I guess. So that's understandable. I think she, she's really grown up in the book because her mother's always been a little flaky. Mm. Um, but I think that I, I'm not entirely sure that that's necessarily the case. Um, obviously you don't get any of that in the movie, um, but I think that honestly you could probably just chalk it up to being 
being a, the child of a single mother, mm. like, it does necessitate a little bit more growing up mm-hmm. uh, than, than maybe in a more nuclear family, I should say. Mm. Um, just because, you know, you have to do stuff on your own because, you know, there's only one parent and they can't do everything. They need a little help. <laughs> um so anyways I do think that like that 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 could be a reason that she she grew up she also they lived in the city which I think probably grows you up a little faster too So that's my movie logic <laughs> that's for your that movie logic for boo yeah. Oh my word what am I I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, for Tip growing up. For Tip. Being older than her years. Can I, can I say, can I ask, like, were you just like, did you love the gratuity slash Tip thing? Because I think it's adorable. I liked it, yeah. I thought that was cute. But I do have a question, um, which is, maybe they explain this in the book. Why on earth did her mother named name her gratuity? <laughs> she didn't know that it meant what it meant. <laughs> Again, like I said, her mother's a little bit flaky in the book. So she um, she names her gratuity, and then she finds out later that it doesn't mean what she thought it meant. So she starts calling her Turtle Bear. <laughs> Right. And so, what? so her mother just gives her the like kind of a a nickname, not you know, obviously like she says, her friends call her Tip, but her mother has like her pet name for her, which is Turtle Bear, and that's pretty much all she ever calls her in the book. Turtle Bear. <laughs> um, well, I think it's sweet <laughs> and very The Last Airbender. I was actually <laughs> just gonna say it sounds like she had. She just finished watching the last air, Avatar: The Last Airbender. I think then she'd be calling her Turtle Duck because that's the cutest creation that has ever happened. Um, yes, <laughs> it is. It's absolutely freaking adorable. <laughs> I was actually because I've been listening to rewatchables and they were talking about Turtle Ducks and then I was like, oh my god, I wonder if anyone on Etsy has made a Turtle Duck plushie. <gasps> and there's a couple of them, but they're not quite as cute as like Whoa. the <laughs> cartoons. So, like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a perfect per- turtle duck plushie so that I can buy one. <laughs> uh, oh, they really are. It's, the, it's so true. Anyways, um, so yes, that's why she's named Gratuity. Um, we kind of talked about it in the book podcast. What saying she, she probably thought... It doesn't, it doesn't explain what she thought it meant, but my guess is that it's something along the lines of she thought more of a, like, gratitude meaning for it, which is kind of what it means, but it, it has, obviously, a different contextual meaning. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have a feeling that it's kind of like hope and faith. She wanted to name her, like, gratitude, but, like, in a, yeah... That's my guess. <laughs> so very, like, uh, unique. Yes, very Let, unique name. That. <laughs> One of the things, again, that I really like, too, about Gratuity in the book and in the movie is I think she has really honest, um, preteen, 11-year-old emotions where, like, even part of the fact that she's kind of lashing out at at O slash in the book, his name is J-Lo. Um, it's a long story. Uh, <laughs> um, Wait, he's named J-Lo in the book? Yeah, okay. he picked it himself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it picked because of... He thought it was a normal human name. Okay. Because he'd heard of J-Lo, and he thought that that was, like, normal. And he named himself, he, like, they all kind of picked their own names when they came to the, to Earth. Okay. And he picked J-Lo, which is fantastic because 
Jennifer Lopez was actually in this movie. The, they yeah, it was the like, voice. well, we, we have to cast her somewhere. Where can we cast her kind of thing? Just because. I do think the book is dedicated to her. Let me see if I can. Is it really? Yep, it is. It's for, <laughs> for Steve Malk and for Miss Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, like I said, it's pract- it was practically required that they cast her somewhere then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If she'd just gotten more lines. I know. After all that, she still... Like, I mean, this is a beautiful movie as far as, like, you know, having a young female, um, non-white main character. <laughs> but let's talk, I mean, like, how many lines did she share with her mother? Like, it, like, barely passes the Bechdel test because of that! Like, that's ridiculous! That, yeah, especially considering that of the peop- of the characters, they are, like, the only human characters that you see. And yes. they still don't, almost don't, uh, pass the test. Like, I don't even know if it counts! Like, <laughs> um, in fact... I'm remembering now what more about their reunion scene because the music thing with the music being like loud and over their talking continues on until she introduces him uh oh to her mother because all you see is her mother like freak out and then like kind of gratuity explains something to her but you don't know what it is and then she kind of accepts him Mm -hmm. but it's all done in facial expressions and like visuals and not in dialogue at all so which is so weird (laughs) you were doing so good (laughs) home what were you thinking uh yeah they really are the only two humans yeah, the only ones you actually know the names to, who you actually see. Because obviously you see mm-hmm. a lot of other humans. A lot of other humans. None of them. Speaking of the a lot of other humans, though, I was kind of paying attention. And I think they did really well as far as crowd scene, like, percentages. Like, I'm sure you know that crowd scenes usually have very low percentage of women and a very low percentage of people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the crowd scenes were done... Very well, although I don't know exactly, you know, but it seemed like they were done better than others, shall we say. <laughs> but anyways, as you were saying, yes, there are definitely other people. You just don't see them. Background characters. Yeah. Not even characters. They're not characters. They are extras. <laughs> That's pretty much what they are, because, like, it's like they don't actually say anything. Um, they're just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is there yeah, is there anything else that I can say about that? I don't think there is. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I like that we got Australia. Yeah. I mean they went that to was Paris. Way better. They went to Australia. Yeah, but like all the humans, the humans got Australia. That was like our we got our continent. Yes. To ourselves. The entire human race had to live in Australia where most of us would probably die. So, yeah, if not of the heat, <laughs> then of the terrifying animals that live there. <laughs> yes. Jess would probably die in the first week just from fear. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's really funny. In, in the book, they, like, I think maybe, like, every country got, like, a part of the country so in the u.s we got arizona because they didn't want it (laughs) well they are very good at figuring out what they don't need (laughs) they didn't need arizona at first they were gonna give us florida but then they discovered they really liked oranges so (laughs) they gave us arizona instead um which is actually hysterical because similar to what we see in the movie, um, they don't really eat human food. <laughs> Although, well, they do some human food, but not like things that we normally have as food. Like they eat a lot of mints and like 
gum and stuff. <laughs> and then also really harsh chemicals like motor oil and anti... What's it? Antifreeze? Um, antifreeze, thank you. Um, <laughs> things like that. But, um, yeah, we see them eating footballs in this. That was hilarious. And then... They have these fruits! <laughs> and then, um... Oh, gosh, it was also when he was holding the party on his dishes, uh, his platters and such, he had, like, toilet paper, and he was going to offer... And nuts and bolts. Yeah. Yeah, washers, yeah. Um, And we see him eating a record at one point, and things like that, so they they kept it, they just kind of tweaked it a little. I think it worked pretty well. I liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But the more I think about it, um, actually, before I say that, um, so so the, obviously we have the other main character in this is O. What did you think of O? Jim Parsons. Okay, I I liked. Um, he was endearing. Hmm. A little bit annoying. <laughs> but also, I liked the way that they had him speak. Mm-hmm. Just because um, it was it was interesting, but at the same time, I was also trying to think like, okay, did they explain why he had like more a, a little bit more problem speaking than the others? I don't know. He's a dif- different, maybe. I don't know. They definitely went um, ways to tell us that he was different. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was supposed to be, like, that he wasn't as educated or intelligent. I don't know. Like, they, I guess they didn't. And it's funny, because until you said that, I didn't realize that the other boob weren't, weren't speaking that way. Mm-mm. And then I was like, oh, wait, he was. Yeah. <laughs> the only one. Like, he was speaking, you know, with the kind of cute little mistakes and such. Mm-hmm. But then everyone else... Uh, all all the other booths were just speaking normally. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it was... I don't know if this was said at all, but, like, they... I, I would assume that they would... Well, this is obviously... This is from the book, but they would have to learn English, right? Like, there is exactly a 0% chance, I'm sure, that... Some other races out there also speaking English. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, was it just kind of like cramming because that, like, they knew that people of Earth might be speaking English, or and he wasn't as good of a study as everyone else? Was? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking as far as, um, as far as the movie goes. That's why I said like maybe like. <laughs> less educated or, like, just not quite as maybe dedicated to his studies. I don't really know. But, I, yeah, like I said, I would assume that they would have had to learn it, so maybe that was the implication that he didn't study as hard or hmm. didn't learn as well. It's hard to remember from the book because they definitely have to learn English. Um, in the book, it's done a little differently where they basically abduct people um, a couple months before the invasion, um, which include included Gratuity's mother, mm. um, and they learn English from them. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, using technology, they don't, like, make them teachers and have them teach English. They, like, kind of almost, like, implant a thing in them that, like, lets them take all the words that they know. Not take, but you know what I mean somehow computerize the words that that person knows. Um, so anyways, that's complicated. And, but, um, so there is a, like, a storyline where they have to learn English, but because in the book, um, we really don't meet any other boob. I mean, we do, like, very, very, for very short periods of time. I can't remember if they, I thought they were all, I thought they all spoke kind of in that slightly clumsy way. Where they just kind of mix their tenses and mix their parts parts of speech a little. I don't think so. I think no, they did it in the movie. You're definitely right. I don't remember in the book. Oh, oh, okay. So I'm not sure if that's like a carryover or what, but I definitely think 
it's weird. But speaking of O being different <laughs> than um, other Boov, um, I was wondering if you how like how you thought about that because in the beginning we have like he wants to to like throw a party and they're like anti-social about it or maybe they are social with each other but they just don't like him but it makes it seem like he's weird for wanting to quote unquote like waste time partying and and things like that in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then like later it seems to kind of flip uh on it with in the car with gratuity you know what i mean like that he doesn't get like having fun Mm -hmm. so did you notice that it yeah no, it it seems odd to me. Well, at the same time, though, I don't think you know his whole "I want a party" thing at the beginning was any was actually about partying. He wanted friends, and mm-hmm. that was the way of getting it. Whereas, like later, right. it's like, oh no, don't be having we don't be having fun simply because like at that point, you know, he had companionship at that point didn't mm-hmm. need to try to throw a party in order to get people there. So. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. And he goes against everything and runs into danger. That was an interesting little theme of the, the boob that ran away. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she had to teach him not to give up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, his, like, he says at one point that if there's a 50% or less chance of success, then Boob just give up. <laughs> and she's like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> so let's go and run up to this very creepy ship. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more things now because after um, you, we talked about the, the language stuff, um, I'm thinking, like, there were, it's it's interesting because we kind of took some focus off gratuity and by, like, throwing it more onto, uh, oh, we also have, like, uh, like I said, in the book, it's basically just oh and gratuity, like, the almost the entire time. They meet other people along the way, but it's basically just the two of them, and then in the movie we get, like, Captain Smack and Kyle, mm-hmm. and <laughs> lots of um, more Boova yeah. characters. Yeah. We, we've already mentioned this, of course, but yeah, definitely the uh, Boov characters outnumbered the human characters. The human characters. By... All of the Boov characters also, <laughs> now that I'm like, t- since I was talking about kind of... Pr- proportions before all the booth characters are male no and... don't i think i thought i saw like wasn't the one booth who suggests the one smart booth who suggested um like just dying, dying like act, pretending, pretending to be dead. dead i thought that was female oh yes you're right i'm sorry there was one female one female <laughs> loads of booth one female so we get only female humans but they're still outnumbered by, by the male, male boob. boob but then again okay the boob were not the brightest bulbs in the box <laughs> that's fair point so i don't know uh i just needed to point that out because it's just kind of silly the book was so even <laughs> um but we actually meet a lot of humans in the book, too, during their travels. Not not everybody just kind of goes, okay. Well, the the boob kind of just abduct everybody, I suppose, in the movie and take them. <laughs> and take them to Australia. Whereas in the book, it's like, okay, we have these rocket pods that are leaving at a certain time, so all the humans have to be on them, and they're going to take you to your new home. <laughs> so... Of course, there's a lot of humans that just hide and, like, make their own way in little pockets of America. Huh. Um, I will be honest, actually, um, you know, obviously I I haven't read the book, but watching the movie, the whole peaceful invasion kind of thing reminded me of the host. Mmm. Yeah. Less ominous. Yes. 
but yes. <laughs> it Or like it a was, perceived um, peaceful invasion where the invading party thought themselves, oh, we, we're peaceful. It, it's for... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's actually really interesting what they do in the movie, because you do have the boob as a peaceful invasion, um, at least as much as invasion can be, and um, then you have the introduction of the Gorg, which is, they're also a race of aliens in the book, mm-hmm. um, but, and, and and they're very ominous, obviously, we spend the, like, from the time we meet them, like, they're these huge, terrifying guys, warrior-looking, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, wow, like, intimidating. And then at the end, they're basically starfish. <laughs> they're sea starfish. Or, it's not even there, or it's space starfish, a starfish I mean. who's been tracking them. Just yeah, there's the only one. one there's only one of them. Well, yeah. yeah. At the moment, at least. I don't even... I'm not sure what that even means. <laughs> like, what... Like, what's the... Uh, what are you trying to tell us with this? I'm not sure. That there was the only one... I mean, my whole thing is like, okay, if there was the only one left, like, what exactly is their reproductive... Well, they had all of the babies in an egg. I know, but who laid the egg? Was it the the one? Maybe. Maybe. Yes, or maybe another one laid the egg and then died. Maybe? I don't know. That that happens in some species, right? Like spiders, right? Um, Well, spiders lay the eggs and then um, the mother bites the male's head off. Or, no, no. no. Actually... I thought that there was at least some kind of animal that lays eggs and then dies. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Well, actually, I I have to amend that. I think the, with the spider, it's the guy impregnates the female and then she kills him before laying the eggs with certain spiders inside his body. Uh, um... No, that's not the case. I just that sounded gruesome, so I wanted to say it. Anyways, <laughs> that's like wasps. They like kill spiders and then lay their eggs in the spider. Mm-hmm. Anywho, that could have happened, is what I'm, all I'm saying. <laughs> that the, the alien the could have laid the egg and egg then died. Died. And then the one last starfish dude, Gorg, uh, mm-hmm. was, it was up to him to make sure that their entire species did not die off. I mm-hmm. mean... Which explains why he was chasing them across the galaxy. Yes, it does. It mm-hmm. definitely gives him a pretty darn good reason for stalking them. So, it's interesting in this case because you kind of get... I don't know. I think you get, like, an understanding of Gorg. Um, a kind of sympathetic, obviously, outlook by the end. What did you get from the boob at the end? Like, did you feel sympathetic to them? Did you think they were just kind of invaders? Okay. On the one hand, you kind of felt a little bit sympathetic because they have been running for their lives (laughs) for ages. But as it turns out, it's like completely useless or Mm -hmm. unnecessary for them to be running. And then also it's they, they're kind. Of, it is kind of hard to actually like any of them beyond like Boo or Ooh Oh and yeah. Kyle a little bit because he did that whole speech about let's mm-hmm. nominate Oh to be our leader instead of Smack mm-hmm. and it's you don't really get attached to any of the O or any of the booth besides O. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because he's also the only one who like legitimately realizes uh, how wrong that they they'd been to take over Earth. Right. Yeah. Um. And I'm I'm kind of glad of that in a way because that's very um true to the book. Um, not the running away thing, 
but the invasion thing. The book is the main big theme that runs throughout the book is this kind of invading savage lands that aren't actually savage <laughs> kind of deal. I mean, and it's really, really driven home. There's even, like, one of the humans they meet along the way is um, a Native American, <laughs> and um, through his kind of attitude, it's like, wow, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a thing. This is, this a, is not subtly, not very subtle. This about is a it. metaphor. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 done in other ways as well. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely adored it, though. Like even in all of its unsubtleties, it was fantastic because it was like, yeah, guess what's wrong? <laughs> this. <laughs> um, it was good, but uh, I think that there was a little bit of that in here because we have, as you said, kind of like uh, the the boob were just, even though like they do are given a reason, like they're running away from the Gorg, which they aren't necessarily running in the book. They're just kind of colonizing planets because they can. Mm. <laughs> um, so maybe a little bit more sympathetic in the movie, but um, I think it's really meaningful this the little speech that that O gives about how they were told that this civilization needed them that they were you know unintelligent and you know mm. backward and that they needed to kind of be saved mm. in a way yeah so so, but what is really funny about it is that, like, they have this whole, because the Gorg are the takers, right? And that's, that's mm -hmm. true um, from the book as well, but the Gorg are just pretty much... Trying to take back what's actually theirs. Yeah, like, in the movie, it's, you're so sympathetic to them, which is, like, so, such an interesting experience, because in the book, it's like... You have these two civilizations that are both trying to take over the Earth for themselves. Mm. And one's the lesser of two evils, but they're both pretty bad. <laughs> so I kind of liked, I guess, the twist on the Gorg. Um, Where they weren't actually invading in after way. all or trying to destroy anyone. Yeah. They were just trying to get what was theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Save the starfishes. And again, that twist actually reminded me a lot of the movie Chicken Little. I did not see Chicken Little, but... Well, okay, with Chicken Little, you know, the whole s original story is that, oh, the sky is falling kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, with Chicken Little, the sky falling is actually a um, camouflage panel for an alien spaceship that hits him on the oh head. My. So he goes <laughs> on the ship to find out, like, oh, he, he finds his way onto the ship. And while he's on there, the aliens, like, offspring, little, tiny, little puffball, follows him off the ship. So then the aliens bring back a whole bunch of other, um, like, a rescue party to try to find their baby. Aww. And that's what the invasion is. I can see that, then. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty similar. Those are the main, I think that's probably, like, the big plot differences, is... And and also how, <laughs> and also the reason that uh, that O um, has contacted them. Okay. What was um, the reason? The, the the reason the book is way less funny um, <laughs> than an evite <laughs> gone wrong. An evite that is so corny. It's, it's ridiculous and hilarious. Turn left with the Milky Way. <laughs> yeah, in the in the book, he's they've they've been there a little bit of time to the point where they have these like antenna farms that somebody has to go out and you know tend to, and that is J Lo in the book. Um, goes out to tend them, but he messes up and accidentally releases a signal that tells the Gorg where they are. Mm, okay. So it's um, the plot one to, oh, we have to stop the Evite. Which, okay, it took them, why 
Way too long to figure out they could just cancel the email. Yeah. And we well, way too long for Boo for O to figure that out as well because yeah, like yes, they fi- they all they figured it out with the help of the smart people or the smart boobs. But then he shows up like actually at the base and he's like, "Oh, I thought they would have canceled that by now." And I'm like, "Why didn't you? You maybe because he was a fugitive and he couldn't get into the system?" I don't know. But, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> and not something that they could stop in the book. <laughs> it was just kind of done. And, yeah. Which, it's funny, actually. Not, like, I keep thinking of how these, like, things are flipped. Because in the book... Gratuity, like I, I had said, gratuity story is kind of the main focus. So you find out right away almost about her mother. That's like the first thing that she tells you is what happened to her mother. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time to actually find out why JLo doesn't want to be around other Booth because he doesn't tell her huh. that, you know, that he accidentally sent out this signal and that he's a fugitive. So, for a while, like, it takes him a long time for that to kind of come out. So, <laughs> it's really, really opposite <laughs> of how the movie is. Huh. Um, none of these things, though, like, I'll say, like, as a, it's not really, like, making me upset. Like, I'm not... Um, You're not all that I'm not saying that they changed a, it. Yeah, no, not at all. Because I think this is a really adorable movie, um, things, of course, always get lost a little bit in translation, um, with perspective changes like this, um, but I really hope that this, like, kind of, the movie will bring attention to the book, because, um, even though I think that Gratuity was a great character in the movie, like, because the book is more in-depth and wonderful, like, it's, it's so good, like, (laughs) It's just, she's just a really great, complex, 11-year-old child, you know what I mean? That's really honest. Um, it's a really honest portrayal. Kind of like what I was saying before with her emotions. Like, they let her have an 11-year-old's emotions. Even though she's, like, more, like, maybe mentally mature, I think that's a really great contrast with the fact that she can't really control when she's sad, mad, and she kind of lashes out and gets really upset and... Hmm. Etc. Etc. Isn't always like necessarily logical, which like no one's emotions are logical, but especially when you're 11, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I really hope that this the movie's a really good jumping off point um, to more people like knowing about this book. I guess. Hmm. Oh, who knows? I don't know. Would I... you say that it kind of made you curious, or? Um. Not all that, actually. Um, like, okay, yes, I, I suppose I was a little bit curious, but not really. Um, I didn't really feel a need to read the book afterwards, is the thing. Mm-hmm. But now that you mention how much, like, more involved the book is, now I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um... One of the questions that I kind of always ask myself or others <laughs> at the end of a, like, when we're talking about this is, like, if it stayed true to kind of the themes and the tone and the message of the original work. And I think, um, I think some of the thematics definitely get lost. Like I said, it was really, it was such a great metaphor for kind of, like, a colonization mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But I think the tone was really similar. It definitely has this, like, you're laughing and, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, the lesson is getting across, but in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the book is definitely like that, too. Um, like I said, it's written as, gratu- like, an essay that Gratuity's writing. So it is all in her tone of voice, and that just makes it all the better. Um <laughs> So, 
Um, but I definitely think that we have, like, a little bit of that kind of colonization thing with the boot, but they're just so stupid, <laughs> though, in the movie, too. Yeah. Were <laughs> they that not sure what that says. In the book, or was that... They, well, they didn't, they were almost, they, they weren't, I don't think, but because you don't get that, like, you're not sitting in on these weird council meetings where they're trying to figure out how to unsend an evite, <laughs> um, you, you don't really know. Um, O is similar to in the movie, too, where you have him, he's very mechanically minded, he can <laughs> make her car float. <laughs> Um, <laughs> with things he finds in a gas station, which is completely true to the book. Uh, that he, like, basically... Well, he, he also had his own vehicle that he helped, that he took parts from as well to, to rebuild her car. But, um, you know, very mechanically minded. Uh, they all kind of are. But the Gorg are just slightly more advanced. Mm -hmm. Same as in the movie. So you definitely get that level of intelligence, um, but there is no ridiculous evite thing, <laughs> and there's no look at this football, it's a fruit, or <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the barbecue grill um, that he calls his crown <laughs> that he was wearing upside down, that killed me, I don't know why, oh. pulled my crown. <laughs> It was cute. Um, that that is something that it it was absolutely great to have Steve Martin doing Captain Smack in all of his ridiculousness. Is Captain Smack a character that you get a lot of in the book? Not at all. I think you hear one speech from him. He gives a speech to the humans about their living situation or something like that. Mm -hmm. You do get that he is worshipped by all Boov. Everybody just loves him. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Especially J-Lo. He thinks he's wonderful. But you don't... Um, you don't get really that much from him other than what you get secondhand. Although I will say that you do also get the secondhand bit that they were told that humans were you know, mm -hmm. underdeveloped civilization and, you know, mm -hmm. savages, basically. Stupid. And needed the boob. So there was that, and that was implied to have come directly from Captain Smack. Um, just like in the movie. So there was that, but like I said, like, you don't see them deliberating or any of this stuff. <laughs> that is so ridiculous in the movie, which I think is one of the reasons that it does kind of put it in a lower audience age way. range. Yeah. Because that kind of humor is absolutely very kid friendly. Yes. Especially barbecue grills as crowds. Apparently it's also 27 year old <laughs> friendly because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> but I really did love him trying to figure out what to do with this human stuff. What else did he bring in? I don't even know. There was a couple other things. The fruit, footballs, the football fruit, barbecue grill, I don't even I know. Don't... Other things that he was using completely wrong, and I was like, this is wonderful. It's kind of like the the, the weird anti-gravity balls of stuff in the air where you're like, what do they think? What would an outside civilization think of that this. had com developed completely differently think about these things that we've created? So, very good. That's absolutely question. hilarious. Yeah. So, that was fun. Um, I believe I just did my favorite part. Oh, when he kept on coming in and such. With all, well, just the the idea of like looking at how another civilization would mm -hmm. uh, would look at our stuff. I think it was my favorite part. If you don't consider my favorite part gratuity, because she's my favorite part of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Um, what about you? Um. Ooh. Like I said, I I did like kind of the scene at the beginning where it showed them like, in the midst of taking over kind of thing. I thought that was... Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see how they were managing mm -hmm. that. 
mm-hmm. yeah. And their weird bubbles. Yes. That is that is one thing that they keep the same. They like use bubbles for writing and a lot of other things in the book. Um, and so it was nice to see that kind of um, hint at it. Because they use really a lot of electronics in the movie for communication, but um, but the bubbles thing was good. I'm glad that they kept that in, because I was like, what does this even look like? Like, what would that be like? Mm. And they have their, like, weird luggage things where it looks like a thought yeah. bubble. <laughs> and it's adorable. I love it. And then O's was so much bigger than everyone else's, because he's unique. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it is actually interesting that we get this kind of, you know, O is unique Mm -hmm. storyline, though, in the, in the movie, because in the book, I, that was a question I had, because we didn't see other Boov, was, is he unique? Is that why, you know, we feel sympathetic? Like, there's, we only have this one Boov to go by, and so how do we really know... Is he is he one of a kind? Is he not like other booths? Should we like the booth? Like what? You know that was kind of a debate we had in the book podcast because you're not sure mm. if he's unique or not. So now the movie has told us that he is, <laughs> <laughs> but that Kyle's also good too. After he gets it, yes, he just needed. He actually didn't need personal experience to get it though. Oh, needed. To learn it through personal experience. Kyle just needed O to tell him, tell everyone. And then he's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Maybe Kyle should have been in the big brain um, squad. (laughs) He didn't have a big head. Well, he kind of did, but like, you know. (laughs) Not in the same uh, way. Not in the same way. (laughs) Yeah. I will say... um, just just to kind of say, so that this gets said, um, as, as the book reader here, um, that I did miss the, uh, the other humans mm-hmm. that were in the book, that they met along the way. Not all of them, some of them I didn't like, but I, I definitely missed um, the, the Native American whose name is, I can't remember at this moment, I can't remember what his name is. Um, they do call him Chief. Um, but he has, he has an actual name that I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Anyways, I missed him, and I, um, also missed the fact that there were good humans and bad humans in the book. Um, there were some that were conspiring with the Gorg to kind of gain power in this, basically, Arizona, one of the things I didn't kind of say, everybody's, like, relegated to Arizona, but then all of these, like, parts of Arizona spring up, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, like, one town that's, like, all all of the Mormons kind of, like, go to one town. And, like, all, you know, they kind of split off, but then there's these people that are rising to power in these different towns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get a little bit of political intrigue as well. Um, and at a certain point, there is, like, kind of a an evil human plot where they're like too, some of them are a little too obsessed with gaining power in this new human world of Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, The United State of Arizona. (laughs) The United State of Arizona. Oh my gosh. You should, they, there's a little map in the book that is absolutely hilarious. Texas (laughs) carves out a Texas shaped part of Arizona for itself. (laughs) And I was like, Texas freaking would. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so there's just there's little jokes like that throughout the book that are just absolutely wonderful it's part of the reason that I loved it so much um so so definitely there was definitely things that I missed and like little complexities um from the book but I still think this is a really good movie it was really enjoyable and I'll definitely have to see if I can check it out at some point because, like you said, or like I said, um, now from hearing you gush about it, I am curious. <laughs> so that goes for you, listeners, as well. The True Meaning of Smack Day by Adam Rex. It's really good, even though Adam Rex thinks it's overwritten. <laughs> when I called for shout outs about the book, Adam Rex 
tweeted us and he was like, eh, I think it's kind of overwritten. <laughs> and then we were like, did we think it is? I don't know. It is written from the perspective of an 11-year-old who would probably overwrite her essay. So I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> um, so yes. Anyways, I think that was still a pretty big thumbs up for the movie, though. Yeah. I liked it. Especially Jim Park. Did you sometimes, when O would say something, be like, that is seriously, Sheldon. I'm pretty sure Jim Parsons has said that on the Big Bang Theory yes, before? I, I, yes. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, I you know. I kind of like, you know, it was Sheldon uh, in his true form. As a, <laughs> yeah, oh my god, it totally was. That's so accurate. That's the secret of the Big Bang Theory. Like, next season, we're going to find out that Jim, or that Sheldon is secretly a boob. <laughs> um, well, um, I guess it is now up to you listeners to continue this conversation at adaptationpodcast.com. You can do that um, by commenting on the episode page. Um, or you can get in touch with us in a lot of other ways. We're on Twitter at AdaptationCast. We're on Tumblr. Um, at adaptationpodcast.tumblr.com and facebook.com slash adaptationpodcast. We also have weekly vlogs at youtube.com slash adaptationpodcast, so you should definitely check those out. Um, the next episode that we're going to do is um, a little bit of a change of pace from this. Uh, it's Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy, the novel. We're doing that because there is an adaptation, a film adaptation coming out um, in, I think, just a couple of weeks now. Um, so, uh, get reading. I haven't even started, so I'm going to be reading like a fiend this week. I haven't started either. Or possibly either. listening. <laughs> possibly listening, or a combination of the two. I'm thinking I might combine, like, an audiobook and reading to kind of make it happen to faster. As quickly as possible. <laughs> I might end yeah. up doing the same thing, because like I said, I, this week has been a little bit nuts with the Japanese film festival making stuff and stuff like that. Right. Uh, yes. I'll try um, to finish the book. And we're having and we're having a Game of Thrones party this week, so I have preparations <laughs> to make. <laughs> preparations that I don't even need to be making, but I get really into theme parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> um as I think probably Jen knows. Um yes. So yeah. <laughs> um so Anyways, you should definitely stick around for us uh, talking about that novel next week. You can do that by subscribing to us on iTunes by searching Adaptation Podcast. Um, and while you're on our iTunes page, if you could give us a rate and review, that would be absolutely wonderful. It helps other people find us and let it kind of tells them that we've already been listener approved. You know, lets them know that other people are listening and that they're enjoying themselves. So, really helpful for us, um, and we'd be absolutely grateful, and we might even read your comments on the show. And by might, I mean we definitely will. <laughs> um, but, until next time, this is Adaptation reminding you, nothing grooves like a boob. <laughs> shake your boob thing. Shake your boob thing, shake your boob thing, yeah. yeah. Everybody, Everybody sing it now. <laughs> <laughs>